This American Monster. A Monster of the Week actual play from This American Dice. Last time on This American Monster. Having delved into the heart of darkness, the Law Corporation team has found themselves on the roof of the Cypress Knoll's Tower Gardens building. Can they save those they love? Or are they doomed? And I think, yeah, there's just like a crack of thunder in the background and she'll say, say, they're bugs. If you really truly wish to be a god, you want to embrace yourself, get rid of them. They're already dead. They've already made their deals with the devil. They're barely human. Little people. Get rid of them and you'll... You'll have a place among... You'll have a place among those whose names are written in history. Written in blood. And I think she, like, smiles this big smile. And you can definitely see that she has, like, a ton of sharp teeth in her mouth. Do you think that, um, her as... One of these, like, children of the main vampire, does she just have the straight-up regular vampire fangs? Or is it like, I got a big mouthful of shark teeth? I like the shark teeth way more. Awesome, yeah. Really she, cool. she smiles, and yeah, it's this hideous row after row of, like, just massive teeth that should not be able to fit in a human mouth. Need to get my teeth sharpened. There you go. Like, I think, so I'm just picturing, um... He's just like on his knees, almost like fetal position style mm. when she comes over here. And I think he just, just looks over to her. Um, he's like, you know anything about her or me. And I think I'm going to charge into immediate danger, which is one of my moves, which doesn't help me out now, but just helps me, like sets me up to help later, which will surely be fine. Okay, so just to refresh my memory, when you charge into immediate danger, what does that mean? Because you guys so, are definitely in danger for sure being here. But yeah, I have a move that I don't think I've ever used, but it's a what could go wrong. Whenever you charge into immediate danger without hedging your bets, hold two. I can spend them to inflict plus one harm, reduce someone's harm suffered by one, or take plus two forward to act under pressure. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, um, and your game plan is just to attack this woman? Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, I guess I, got, point. I guess I got my nunchucks. Sure. So you're, are you, like, screaming and as you're running toward her? Yeah. Awesome. All right, go ahead and roll a kick-some-ass roll. I have a total of eight. Yeah, you run towards her and you're flinging these, nut, like, twirling these nunchucks. Are you, like, screaming as you run towards her, or are you just... It, resolutely silently doing this oh man i was thinking screaming but kind of silently sounds actually pretty pretty interesting okay so in this situation you're both gonna take uh damage from one another so what's the damage that you do three three damn okay so all right you similarly are gonna take three um and we had established that she is just tremendously tremendously strong you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to use both those hold. I'm going to take one less and give her one more. 
Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, oh my god, I was already at four. Is that, yeah. is that true? Probably. Uh, so I'm taking how much? Two? No, just... Oh yeah. Or three uh, minus one, right? Three minus one, yeah. So her, her thing is that she's tremendously strong. We saw her throw you through one of those crates and knock Mr. Welker across the room. Like, she's super strong like a like a crazy massive professional wrestler in a movie would be. Ooh, actually, okay, hold on, sorry. I'm going to change that over a little bit. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting luck exists. Yes, I was wondering why you didn't do that, but I was like, maybe he has a point. Maybe he has a yes, point. Yes, I, I thought of that after uh, Reagan died. But <laughs> I was like, well, that would have been good. But no, okay, so I'm going to use my luck to um, not take any harm and just... Um, and probably do one. Ad- yes, exactly. I'm going to do t- two additional, so five harm total. Five harm total. Fuck it. I'll use two luck. I don't give a shit. Can you spend shit. My, my, you babe spend- just, my babe just died. So then this person's taking like a total of how much damage? Five? Well, now six. Right? Hold on. Let me let me calculate this. So I do three with my nunchucks. I do, um, I'm using my two of my holds, so that's five, and then if I get a 12 plus, I'm going to inflict a six. Okay. Alright, so, and this person just, for your thing, has one armor as a vampire. Um, yeah, so you tell me what this looks like, because she's not going to do any damage to you. She normally would be able to, like, just fling you off of this tower or kick you into this gargoyle thing and just smash all your bones or break your back or something like that, but instead... She doesn't do you any damage, and instead you really hurt her, even though you're just using nunchucks. What does that look like? So I think... Um, so we, we've we been hinting at some ambiguous uh, special thing about Ashton. I think um, kind of like Lucky or like Guided somehow. So maybe um, it's like the uh, like cinematic, like slow motion, like bullet time type thing where he's like just so focused somehow that he's like dodging all of these even superly human superhuman uh superhumanly fast kind of things like she she's always a uh, I don't know if these vampires are superhumanly fast too but um maybe she's not caught off or she is caught off guard because he's almost going as fast as she is like she, he's able to almost preemptively you know anticipate what she's about to do that's okay. cool. Yeah, so you're just dodging out of the way of these assaults as you're hitting her with these nunchucks. Yeah. All right. So it's almost like she she's had the cheat code for uh, Street Fighter, mm-hmm. and now she has to actually fight someone without it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So meanwhile, uh, Darkblade, Mister Welker, and Sundry. You guys all had rushed towards the edge of this thing and all ended up slipping, essentially, where you're barely able to crawl back up. So rather than have you guys make additional rolls to say, like, do you make it back up? Because I think that would be boring. While on the roof, no one has made a, um, a, a roll to inspect the labyrinth and try to figure stuff out. You guys, somebody could try to do that and make that roll to figure out what's going down. Sure, I'll make a roll like that. It's, is it sharp? It could be if you're just like looking at the surroundings and watching this fight that Ashton is fighting. What, what about what, what would be like another option? 
So like we're kind of, I, I I kind of see me as like scrabbling to get back up on this tower with full knowledge that Ashton's fighting for his life against a far more intimidating opponent. Um, is there anything you can learn while sort of like physically like gouging at this tower or like scraping mm -hmm. along this gargoyle? Or maybe like um, some sort of interaction with the woman? You could try to call out to her in some kind of way that might uh, might gain something. That could maybe work out. So I, I could easily see a sharp roll to like just figure out what's going on based on your surroundings and piecing things together or calling out to uh, this vampire to figure stuff out based on her responses to you. Um, I could see that as maybe like try and do my best to distract her. Like anything to give Ashton an edge. Um... Maybe I could, like, uh, fire behind her or something and see if she... I don't know. Well, you're, you're, da you're dangling from this, this gargoyle, so the idea that you're like, and also I'm going to sh be shooting at you, is yeah. also, is, like, weird. As you're trying to pull yourself up, maybe you could try to... Or actually, maybe that could work as a tough thing. If you want to try to, like, make, like, a vain, like, assault at her just to see how she reacts to that. Yeah, like even if you don't, if I don't hit her, maybe like I'll hit something else. Uh, I could kind of see that. That could work. So you could maybe try to make a tough roll by like through a show of force. What can you find through a show of force? Yeah. Mix okay. it up, something like that. Sounds good. Which will highly increase my probability of failing, which will really, really move things along. Um, I got uh, eight. Got an eight. Okay, cool. So you hold one. All right. Um, and remember, Darkblade asked one of those questions. I think you guys now only have two. Okay. So you guys have two hold. You can spend one of those to um, ask one of the read a bad situation or in, uh, investigate a mystery questions. Yeah, all right. So you know what, Austin? What's its weakness? Oh, all right. So you realize that you guys had fought this vampire before and a lot of things have talked about like the heart and hearts and you think of it to yourself about like the heart as like the repository of, not repository of, but like the vessel that moves blood throughout the body and you've realized that all these ghosts have talked about getting to the heart of this tower and you remember when Ashton had tried to stab this creature and you realize that he was on the right track. The stake needs to actually pierce the heart of this creature. And if the stake were to pierce the heart of this creature, that would really, really harm it. So welcome to sort of shout out. Aim for the heart, Mr. Green. Is there any kind of wooden things lying about? Do you think you could break one of these nunchucks to use it as a wooden stake? Yeah. I'm willing to sacrifice these nunchucks, sure. Another kick some ass roll. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and advance this move before I roll. All right. I thought of doing that after last time, and I'm like, no, that, that would be bad form. So that's an eight. If I don't get a ten... Plus, at least I'm going to die. So um, I'll use another luck. 
All right. You use another luck to get a 10 plus or another luck to... To get a 12 plus. 12 plus. Advanced now. Oh, okay. So what, what, are, what are the results of what you do? I'm really tempted to inflict double harm, but um, I'm going to suffer no harm at all. Okay. Cool. You're going to suffer no harm at all. All right. So you're going to be able to stake this vampire and kill her. How does that, how does that look? Yeah, I think um, exactly like we're kind of hinting at, like, um, I don't know how you would break a nunchuck thing in half, but uh, uh, maybe it's longer than we're thinking and he just puts over his knee. Sure. He just snaps the top and it's like jagged enough. Yeah. Oh yeah, that works. Um, or maybe just in fighting her, maybe she breaks part of it and and it's a jagged edge. There you go. This thing is broken. I think he just stabs her with it and then, um, like with his palm, just like stabs even further in. Okay, so it's kind of broken and you jam it into her, and she's kind of taken aback for a second, and then you just almost like Bruce Lee palm like smash it into her chest. She's shocked, and her eyes get mo- like wider. And at first, it seems like she's just extra shocked, but then we see her lips recede, like Alex had just said, and uh, her skin kind of tightens, and she turns into almost this kind of like mummy that falls over. And I guess um, like the heavy wind that beats on it kind of turns it into this like ashen mud that's kind of just around a skeleton. Yeah, I think Ashton is just, like, panting over this, like, desiccated corpse and just, like, drops the other end of his nunchuck, I guess. Mm. Broken forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still a stake. But you guys are able to be pulled up. I think Ashton is able to, like, kind of head over and, like, help you guys. Slash, just with time, you're able to get yourselves up here. And you're on the roof of this building. It's been three to four months. Yeah, We're all on the roof again. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Walker will like give him a hearty slap in the back. Like, well done, Mr. Green. So that's that's the situation. You guys are at uh two of these hold, or did you spend one to get Oh, you're still at one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we uh we spent one there. So <laughs> one of four still. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, you're up here amid this now this puddle of like mud. Um, like in this dress. Love that band. Yeah, that band is playing their famous song that I definitely know. Unless you guys want to get super creative, there's really only one way to another location, and that's back through the door you came through. The good thing is, you do know that going back the way you came does not mean that you'll get back to the place where you just were. You learned that at that uh, pond. Expect no less. Yeah, it's beats jumping off the side of this thing. Didn't work out for. Oh, can we see her body way down there? No, right. No, you can't. You. Clouds. Yeah, like All it's. Right. Can we build a rope made out of our hair and rappel down in the room below us. Um, she had really bad split ends, so like tying the knots is like it's such a pain in the ass. You give up. Yeah, I think she had dreads, right? So, <laughs> so it'd actually be the best here. to do that. But no, she. Uh, but no, her, she and her hair are gone. All right, let's go back in the door. All right, Carl, give me a number one, two, three, 
Seven, three, one, two, three. You open this door and see before you um, dozens of bells. And um, the wind is kind of whistling through them. It's not shaking them and making them chime. Uh, but you've arrived in the belfry of this tower. And this tower has uh, dozens, probably like two or three dozen of these bells, the largest of which has to be the size of like a small bus. The smallest of which is probably only the size of like a toaster oven. Um, but there's dozens of these things, and these all these bells, and they're hooked up to pulleys and gears and like ropes and cranks and all kinds of other stuff um, that seems to allow them to be like rung uh possibly from not this area but from another area like they like these pulleys and such might be hooked up to another thing does it seem like there's any other purpose like grand design in this room apart from like a place where bells get rung so the one the other thing is like you're kind of somewhat outside so no longer do you have like rain hitting you like from the top like you are under a roof but rain is still kind of whipping into some of this area um there are stairs that kind of like lead um, there are st stairs that you uh, odds are even Carl even even all right so you guys I think went through this door but the way that the door was set up you realize like wait that should be where we should have been coming downstairs to come to the belfry from the roof Instead, we're coming from the roof up into the belfry, which you'd imagine is below the roof. So again, like the MC Escher-esque like weirdness of this uh, geography is kind of making it where you ended up in a place that doesn't logically make sense that you would end up next. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, there's all of these um, spells. So the two things Will could be interested in happy for someone else to jump in would be ringing one of the bells to see what happens mm -hmm. and be trying to like follow the cables and stuff figure out where like the uh, operation um, apparatus are sure it sounds like you're kind of like investigating and looking through this stuff would you say you're trying to figure out this uh, labyrinth I'd I almost like somebody else to do that and maybe you could it. help them be happy to uh, but would anybody else be interested in trying to find out what they can about this the the labyrinth that is this tower? Seems like a dark blade sort of thing. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I'm gonna look at it. All right, <laughs> nailed roll it. Roll your look at it. Yeah, go ahead and make a sharp roll for me. Got a, Got nine. a nine. All right. If he needs help, I'll provide it. Would you be down to help him? I would be so down. Are you okay? Carl, go ahead and make a cool roll. Let's see if you can help him out. Ten. Ten is pretty damn good. All right, so on a ten... Ooh, um, Carl puts a monocle on my eye. I yeah, he goes... Better. No, he removes the monocle from my eye. I have a monocle that I'm, like, yeah, ironically yeah. using. And yeah. Walker's like, get that out of your face, you idiot. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, so on a ten... You don't have a negative consequence, but you do hold one. So you get uh, an additional hold. Remember, you can use that hold to ask any of those read a bad situation or 
investigative mystery questions, or you could hold on to it. And once we have four, we can spend all those to. Uh, we can spend those to get down to the heart of the tower. That's that's you, right, Blade? Yeah. So, Darkblade, are there question? Is there a question you want to ask here to spend one of those hold? No. No. All right, we're holding on to them. Okay. So, the two things that I have here in this tower are bats and vampire children. Uh, but that's if something were to go wrong. But so far, nothing has gone wrong. Instead, you guys are just amid this uh, tower. So you can tell that these... I'm sorry, amid all these bells. So in this belfry, like I said, you could tell that these bells could be played um, from some kind of instrument or some kind of apparatus. You see that, like, you could probably try to play them by, like, striking them with mallets. But be like a situation for a musician, maybe one versed in gospel music. Ooh, actually, there's there's a logic to that. Um, all right, what you what y'all want here? Yeah, in in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. Oh wait, that's a different song. And Legata de Vida. Yeah. Undescrunda de Brunda. Wait. Um, I uh, know amazing, yeah, Grace, and that's about it. Not a lot of so country hymns. Um, so to move things along, I could say that you the odds are, especially Sundry, would say that, like, if you were setting this up, you obviously wouldn't have this stuff on the roof, the place that would make sense to have whatever these controls are, since they're not up in the belfry itself, it would have to be like right below it. Plus, the sound below it would allow a person to, like, really, really hear what's going on without destroying their eardrums while they're playing a bell the size of a small bus. Unfortunately, though, that means walking back down the door, walking back through the door you just came in. I mean, who knows where that will take us. It's true. All right. I'm willing to try that. Awesome. Lee, could you give me a number one through six? Six. You open the door that you'd kind of come through kind of walk down like a few a few steps uh, in this belfry and open a door that you'd come through and find yourself in a chapel. This chapel is um, somewhat small, but still the size of like a very large um, kind of like sitting room or like living room. This chapel doesn't seem to have, it's almost like an airport chapel in that it doesn't seem to have expressly a specific religion that it is connected to. And given that uh, this building was built by H. Sinclair Knowles and his kind of transcendentalist philosophy, this chapel seems more like a place of meditation than specifically like um, prayer. Um Inside this place, however, it's been uh, somewhat like wrecked up nonetheless. This chapel seems like um, if there had been um, furniture, a lot of it's been destroyed uh, or just kind of like flipped over or discarded. And all of that destruction seems fairly recent. But nonetheless, there seems to be a woman um, at this chapel in this chapel, kind of like kneeling down, um, facing away from you. Kneeling in front of something or no? She 
is for a second, I think when you look there, you think that she's kneeling in front of a cross, but then you realize like there isn't one of those in this room. Huh. And okay. she's holding she's holding something in her hand, and I think if you look more closely, you can see that she's holding like a rosary in her hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Um, um, maybe Sandra will just sort of stand there and try to hear what she's saying. So, um, as you come up, you can hear her like finishing a. I should know this more, but she's finishing like a long Catholic prayer and she's doing it in Spanish. Mother Mary full of grace, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but like I said, in Spanish and, um, when she's, when she's through this woman who seems like a woman in her fifties or sixties, um, her face pale, um, her eyes sad kind of turns to you and says like, you Sounds shouldn't like be for Mr. Walker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not doing that. <laughs> yeah, Woker, get over here. Um, <laughs> she, she says, like, you shouldn't be here. This is a place of darkness. We're trapped here. You need to go. Well, uh, place darkness only dark until there's light. And we're here to bring that. And she'll... She says, no man, no man can bring, can bring light enough to wash, to, to cast this out. This is, this is something too dark. I shouldn't be here. None of us should be here. And whatever's brought, whatever's brought you here is, is either tricking you or trapping you like it has me. And I think you can very clearly tell that this woman is also a ghost. Well, lady, we I figure our only way out is through this thing. So you point me in the direction and maybe we can finally get you some rest. Hmm. You got any inkling how we get the heck out of here to the, uh, uh, the heart of the darkness? So, uh, yeah, go ahead and make a charm roll for me. Seven. So you get one. Get one hold, and she'll just tell you she'll she'll say, "I don't know how you can get out of here. I don't know how I can get out of here. I I thought I had left. I thought I was done with this. I I I'd left after my husband died. He he built those bells, and now I come here. It's as close as I could be to hear him playing them." So I thought I was making a manipulate person roll. Am I not? Am I making something else? That was this, uh, inv- like, go through the labyrinth uh, move. That's oh, like a got it. Move. And, and what are the holds? Oh, I just add it to the to the Right, you, you added to the thing, but at any point you can spend one of those hold to ask any of the read a bad situation or investigate a mystery questions. No, I'm tr- we're trying to get up to four, right? Yes. Got it. So... She'll introduce herself as Nora Ferramonte. Uh-huh. And um, her husband was the one who um, built the bells and was like the main carillon player 
like initially the like bell player like when they created this tower and um she her husband died like close to when the tower was finished um and she had like lived as a widow nearby but hadn't died here and yet she finds herself here and each night she comes to listen to him play the bells because that's as close as she can get to him what what does he like to play and she'll say like she'll she'll essentially just tell you like he plays he plays the music that he plays he plays the music that was the expression of of his faith and uh, while while Mr. Knowles had had wanted to build something that connected people to nature, my husband always wanted to to play music that uh, connected people to God. But now I fear we're trapped here, separated from both. If there is a way that you can get out, you need to get out of here lest you be trapped here forever like me. Do you have any advice for, well, without trying to spend those whole, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for how to do that? And she'll say, all I can, all I know to do is pray. Well, lady, you show me how, maybe I'll join you doing that. And he'll uh, get on down on his knees next to her. Sure. Yeah. So demon sworn prayer. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that is a, a good moment to do this because based on the role that Lee made before, there's a guardian who is supposed to uh, show up to deal with you guys. So, so as you guys start to pray, um, you start to smell something at first that you're like, man, that's a weird smell. And then you realize this room has quickly filled with smoke and it's this dark smoke of something burning. Something is on fire, not in this room, but nearby. And the smoke seems to be pouring in here. And it seems to be coming from, uh, like, the ceiling and, like, uh, settling downward towards you guys. And, um, yeah, it's going to require that you guys get the hell out of this space. All right, let's let's roll. Maybe one of you guys uh, grab me out of my uh, prayerful reverie. Yeah. So I think I think one of the issues is uh, whoever's grabbing him out of this is going to have to make a. Uh, I think this smoke like kind of like lands in here and it's going to take him longer to get up. So Sundry is likely to suffer some harm from just like breathing in all of the smoke that's pouring into this chapel. If somebody were to protect him from that harm, they could perhaps take that harm on themselves selves or reduce that harm or uh, whatever it might be. If that makes sense. Walker's happy to unless either of you have a more thematically interesting connection that would... Alright, so go ahead and roll Uh, plus tough, Carl. I got a 10. On a 10, you can also choose one. You, uh... So on any success, you protect them okay, but you'll suffer some or all of the harm they were going to get. On a 10 plus, choose an extra. You suffer little harm. All impending danger is now focused on you. You inflict harm on the enemy. You hold the enemy back. Those things don't quite make sense. But 
Would you? Yeah, it would just it just makes sense that you. Go on. It just probably makes sense that you just suffer a little harm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And I have armor, although I assume that's kind of irrelevant for this situation. Yeah, because this would just be smoke. Yeah. Hmm. Let's let's have you take one from that as you're able to pull him out and kind of like maybe cover his face with something as he kind of snaps out of it as you guys are as you guys pull one another into the other room but who was the person who opened the door initially to leave the chapel sure i'll do it awesome ashton give me number one through five five all right this works out so as you open the door you arrive in uh a room that seems to really only have one big focus at its center is the room is fairly plain. It's also comparatively small compared to a lot of these other rooms. Um, it is really focused on the piece of furniture at the center, though calling it a piece of furniture is a little bit strange. You come in and you can hear the great bells above you ringing out and you see a figure at what almost looks like a piano or an organ um, pulling various kind of like knobs and pressing buttons and pushing things down with uh, um, his feet. Upon closer inspection, of course, you can see that that's where his feet should be, and instead the pedals seem to be moving of their own accord. There's a man who seems like he has uh, like a very gray, sallow look to him. His clothes seem very, very out of fashion. Um, he almost looks like someone dressed for their Sunday best from the 1940s or 50s, um, though he has his shirt kind of like unbuttoned, possibly to deal with heat. And he is playing these um, playing these bells. He's a carillon player, and he seems to be like deeply almost entranced as he's playing this. You guys are able to come in here, Welker coughing uh, with the sun, with his shirt or with his hand over Sundry's mouth as he pulls him in here. And that's pretty much the only thing here. You said that's the main focus kind of, of focused the room. Around. Yeah, yeah. There's probably other stuff, but that's the main. If you had to see one thing in this room, I think Ashen's kind of, uh, you know, pretty obviously distressed. So he's going to go over to this guy um, and just, he's at a pia- like a piano type thing, you said? Yeah, it's like a piano, but imagine instead of keys, there are a lot more like levers that he's pulling. And, um, a he's steampunk pulling... piano? Right, it's actually an instrument called a carillon. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, and literally he's playing the huge bells in the belfry. I think he just like slams his hand down on this instrument. You maybe even hit one of the levers and it doesn't seem to bother or disturb this person and he keeps doing it. Maybe even his hand passes through your own and grabs the same lever that you just hit and it makes like it makes a sound that's only like slightly off of what you maybe it should. And after this song ends this person kind of like closes their eyes. They're very like dark kind of sunken eyes and turns and says, are you the ones who brought me here? Are you finally going to tell me why I'm, why I'm trapped here? I think Ashton's like, no, you're the one that's going to tell us how to get out of here. 
This Where's is the center of it, of this maze? All I can do is play God's songs to atone for my sins. It's all I've known how to do. I can pray, and this is my method of prayer. I mean, if we're in purgatory, like you say, then that's the best that I can hope for. To work off my sins and make it to heaven through the, the songs I can deliver for people to connect them to God, even from some place as dark as this. The only way you have any chance of going to heaven is if you help us, the people actually living here. Are you trying to, like, threaten this guy or, like, just charm him to help you out? Guilt trip him, maybe? <laughs> sure. Oh, well, you know, you know an easy guilt trip element that you can bring up. Um, his wife? Yes. Um, yeah, you and your wife are both stuck here. If you can't help us, then you'll be stuck here for the rest of eternity. Nora is trapped here, too? Yeah, she was in that uh, chapel just praying. She said the only way she got to be with you these days is listening to your music. But maybe there's more. So he'll tell you a story about how... Um, um, he died on site when one of the bells fell on him during the final days of construction. Um, he was brought in, um, as a, like, as an expert artisan and like crafting these bells and crafting this carillon. He came here with his wife and like, they lived on site. And this was in like the later 1940s. And he'll tell you that he knew something was wrong, uh, but he thought that by building this um, this instrument that could like play like music that he always associated with God, that he'd be like correcting some evil, that like this music would drive out essentially the devils that he thought were in this place. And now he's found himself trapped here. And uh, the only thing he knows to do is to keep playing this music. The picture he paints for you of H. Sinclair Knowles is a kind of Charles Lindbergh-esque character. Um, part as well as kind of like a crazy Howard Hughes esque character. So somebody who has a crazy amount of money, a tremendous amount of money and, um, wanted to do all this stuff and became like a big celebrity, much like Charles Lindbergh, that, uh, charming character. Uh, H Sinclair Knowles during world war two was, was discredited as a Nazi sympathizer and became kind of a recluse during the war years um, in which uh, he was like ostracized for his earlier views. Um, after the war, he purchased even more land and um, it was after, it was after the war that uh, Juan Carlos Ferramonte, the ghost you're talking to was killed when in like the final stages, one of the bells like fell on him and crushed him. And he'll tell you that like, even now when he hits such and such a tone, he can hear it cry out as the sounds that he made as he died. And he, he says that like, I could tell that there's something wrong with this place. My goal now is to play music that could connect this place to God to cleanse the evil from it. Anyway, so guilt tripping him, what would you think that might be as a role? Like I said, it's mostly manipulate. Once you have given them a reason, tell them what you want them to do and roll. Well, hold on. What I was imagining was, are you just trying to find out, find more of your way into the heart of the tower? Yes. Okay. So then probably a charm roll, right? Yeah. 
All right, go ahead and make a charm roll for me. Rolling these sevens all day. Uh, so that's a nine total. Nine. Hmm, a nine, huh? If only anyone wants to help me. I am a big fan of helping out. I'll just say, like, yeah, your wife told us um, that you sh- that we should um, that we should tell you that she wanted you to listen to us. Okay. Sure. Go ahead and make a make a cool roll. Twelve. Twelve is pretty good. All right, so that kicks it up to a ten, DJ. So that gets or David. So that gets you guys another one of these uh, hold. Yeah, that brings you to four. So you guys could spend that four to get yourselves to the heart of this tower. Let's do it. After we talk about his wife, he gets like really like playing this song more and more intensely and just kind of ignoring and just like violently like just like hitting these keys, you know, or levers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the crescendo and then this like just like the bell or something collapses as if he like the same thing that like killed him, but it like reveals wherever he, it would have landed. You know, the ghost is gone, but there's a hole that leads into the crypt. Oh, yeah. awesome! That actually that's great. Yeah, I think the bell should literally like fall through the roof and like through the floor. Like I think, I think that's great. Sure. So he he plays, and maybe while he's te- maybe he's telling you that story about um, H. Sinclair Knowles, and he's pulling these levers, and yeah, he's pulling them, and like you say, the crescendo hits of this song. And he's talking about how uh, his wife, Nora, he thought after he died that she would be free to, like, go and live on. And the fact that she's here now, like, like he's like, it rips my soul apart. And it's like, I'm dying all over again. And he pulls these things and he pulls on one of these uh, these levers. And you hear this bell, like this huge bell clang. And uh, you hear like a snapping noise and a creaking as if timbers are like letting loose and this bell falls through and all of you guys are able to kind of hop backwards. Um, And this massive bell, like the size of a, like a large car falls through the roof of this and it kind of like lands near you. And you can tell this was the one that killed him. And I think etched on it says like in memory of Juan Carlos Ferramonte. And it sits there. And it was like, it crushed the carol on like the actual thing that uh, it played. Sure, stretch limo size. Um, and it and it lands there. Um, oh, what kind of stretch limo are we talking about? Um, so it falls. And you guys just have the time to read this as the floor like creaks again. And I think it like falls in and you guys kind of tumble with it um, onto the stairwell that's just covered in this rubble and this bell clangs down these stairs, making this crazy cacophony as it goes down um, this long kind of spiral of stairs that should not be in a building in Florida going down like where you're like, Oh, we are definitely underground. And um, yeah, you can see there uh, this kind of like crypt and down at the base of this in this large kind of open room made of like big big stones uh what just appears to oh that sarcophagus that you had seen at the at the gala that huge like bronze and brass sarcophagus that looks like it's uh like something that a crusader would be buried in uh almost where it's like a a sarcophagus but with much more kind of greek orthodox imagery attached to it 
This American Monster is a production of This American Dice. This American Monster uses the Monster of the Week system, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your Game Master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. Additional music for this episode included Subterranean Monster by Sir Cubworth, Glacier Bells by Daniel Birch, Churchy by Coven, Sharp Senses by Ugona Unyekwe, spelled U-G-O-N-N-A-O-N-Y-E-K-W-E, Gamala by E's Jammy Jams, and Sad Songs Part 1, Bells, by Fake Cats Project.